Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Amber. And this is Paul. Welcome to the Tri-Tac Games Podcast. Your podcast of adventuring, even though you can't see anything because there's steam and mist everywhere, and something's in your eye, and I think it's somebody's thumb. <coughs> Tonight we are talking about steampunk in Fringeworthy and Bureau 13. Now, we really hoped to have Richard Taholka on with us because, uh, so he could pimp his new book, The Bureau 13 Supplement, Bureau 13, Brass and Steam, but I don't think that's going to happen. Hopefully, he'll, he might give us some stuff on our Facebook page to go along with this when we actually drop this episode. We've already had a lot of discussion beforehand about how it's really hard to nail down what steampunk is, and I'm sure that you, our listeners, have your own ideas so what we're going to be concentrating on here is not trying to give a literary definition or a genre definition, but rather something we think would create that look and feel, especially in a game, because that's what we're here for. We're gamers. We want to bring the awesome. We want to bring you into a new kind of environment. And steampunk is one of those types of environments as well. Well, okay, Let, let's, let's move on to actually talking about running adventures, okay, mm-hmm. in this kind of environment, all right? So, oh, yeah. you know, if you're playing a fringe-worthy game, okay, you've got these modern explorers, all right, and they're <laughs> going to go into a steampunk environment. So they're going to be seeing all this, let's say, the, 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 the misty air, the smells, the tastes, you know, the, the, the exotic foods, because, you know, it's uh, we, even though we have more choices today, you know, they had stuff in their food because everything wasn't as manufactured and and standardized the way we are now that you might not, you know, you might not see. So they go into that thing. What is the kind of adventures that would basically say this is a steampunk adventure? Uh, what do you think, uh, Amber? It's it's hard for me to say when when I imagine a campaign for steampunk the first thing that rises to my mind is just thinking about a potential plot and steampunk isn't exactly my strong point it's never particularly been something that's interested me outside of fashion mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't have to be so a campaign, when I look Amber. At, I mean, when I look at something like this, all I can really think of is what sort of thing could happen that would be so detrimental that would be worthy of a campaign. What kind of story can be made in a standing society like this? Well, you definitely have your politics. I mean, this is an era of politics. England, the, the, the empire, the sun never sets to the empire. But there's also the politics of what's going on in, over in Europe. 
you know, and you know, despite what the uh, uh, the folks over at uh, Space eighteen nine want to say, France was the major enemy for England at the time. So you have well, I have this political intrigue going on with the French, and the Germans were our best buddies because well, they were relate their blood relations more or less. You know, the Billy, you know, my 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 little Billy will not attack us. He's my he's my ch- he's my uh, grandson, you know things like that. <laughs> you, you got the the various politics to worry about. Uh, then you also have society. I mean, you don't have to sit in London. You can sit in say Hong Kong, and deal with the tongue there. And and you know and maybe you know if you want to make a steampunk, you have to have the you know the latest steam device. You know the the, the steam powered rice thresher. Or something like that, you know, or something along that line, or some sort of steam-powered device that is a MacGuffin for the story. Um, of course, we always ask the question: What kind of stories can you tell here? Well, it depends on the culture. It really does. Well, just pick but, some, John. Pick some examples. Well, oh well, we just go pick the ones I ran. Uh, okay. There was there was the uh, they. They were dealing with uh, in the Congo around County Greystone. This is where the uh, Victorian uh, main, main uh, uh, portal is. They had to deal with with slavers, more or less. Okay. Uh, and t- they uh, went to uh, England and they got involved with Sherlock Holmes and, and, and a variation of the Dancing Men, well, which involved a plot to kill the Queen. So, how is they that steampunk? What is it about it that was that that, that uh, brought in that a- aspect of being a steampunk adventure? I'm trying to because I think it was more it was the setting really. If anything else, it was the setting. Yeah, it was kind of the setting because we all had to you know we all had to do our best to tiptoe around Victorian values, and yeah. and we had to tiptoe around Victorian tech, steampunk tech. We. Um, the characters weren't allowed to whip out their iPads and start start uh, communicating high tech ideas in the middle of Trafalgar Square. Yeah, they basically had to keep on the. Yeah, on that was another thing that I wanted to bring up. Yeah, and they also had to keep Sherlock Holmes from figuring it out. He figured it out anyway that they weren't from this world. Um, uh, then there was the uh, then there was the steampunk. Then there was the trip in the airship back down toward uh, the Congo. And there they discovered a uh, a, a uh, old pyramid, and and the stuff that was inside the pyramid, which I will sort of keep quiet because that may be an adventure sometime in the future. Uh, that one was interesting, wasn't it? Wasn't it, Paul? <laughs> that one was, yeah. All right, well, Trav, when you think of running a, a fringe-worthy steampunk adventure, you know what ideas come to mind as far as you know just to that you'd, you'd you'd what kind of adventures you'd want to run in that environment. Well, I mean, they got to be, I adventure, they have to be of of many times epic proportions. You are doing something grand each and every time. Whether it is, okay, we're going to explore this distant, you know, the, the, we're going to go via airship and uh, explore the dark continent, Africa. Fine. It's going to be a grand epic adventure where... You know, there's sweeping vistas. You have to describe the scenery as just breathtaking. And everything is of a grand nature. Or if it's, let's say you're doing a steampunk adventure where it's political intrigue. Like in uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, where they were trying to stop a, a world war from being started early. You're still going to have 
it, it has to be grand. It has to be flowing. It has to be, as Eric does with the slow jazz hands, spectacular. <laughs> and just, it could be whether it involves technology or culture or, or, or exotic locales, because mm. this was the time of exploration. Uh, another good example, talking about Hong Kong. I believe the Boxer Rebellion occurred in 1900 when the quote-unquote sick men of China were trying to get the foreigners out. That would be another time that would be a steampunk adventure because it was during that time and you were going to the exotic locale and you have to deal with this grand revolution, this political movement, the, the Chinese wanting all the foreigners gone. And because they had their martial arts and their rituals, they were known as the quote-unquote sick men of Asia. Uh, that would be another one. Uh, let's see, what else? Exploration, mm -hmm. politics. Um, oh, heck, you can The HMS Beagle. Yep, or you can plop down uh, any of the uh, uh, Conan Doyle's uh, Professor Challenger stories would be great fodder for, you know, hey, the Lost World's down there. Hey, you got... Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and if you really want to, you always add in H.G. Wells. Uh, you, you can go for his famous ones, or you can go for the little odd ones, like the the new accelerator, which is an interesting one about someone creates a a, a potion that allows that basically speeds up your temporal sense to where these people are walking around, causing you know shock waves as they walk about because they're moving at, they're moving between ticks of the clock, more or less. Oh God! All the all the various PDFs I have for D twenty on steampunk, they mm -hmm. they broke down steampunk into Wellsian and Vernian. Yep. The Wellsian dealt with the darker side of humanity, the time mm -hmm. machine and the implications of time travel, the Invisible Man and using weird science and how it would pervert someone. Then you have the Vernian steampunk, which was the grand exploration in science as your friend and. You know, oh, yes, we're making this invention, and it'll make our lives better, such as, oh, a steam-powered rice thresher, as John mentioned earlier. Yeah. But, yeah, you had those two variants of how science could be good. That'd be another thing. The science of the era, quote-unquote, the weird science, where you were making, oh, God, what's the term? Anachronistic technology. You were making computers and robots and... Not computers, Babbage's. Babbage, difference engines, yes, thank you. Um, where you had people like, you could sit there and have Nikola Tesla and his stuff coming out. Where Well, Nikola Tesla started going toward the pulp era, which is after the well, 19th. He did work with us during the 1800s, though. The okay, well, yeah, he could be considered steampunk then. You could yes. have the transmittable energy waves that he wanted to do and all that so, oh. so and well, that, technologies are another good thing to have adventures of you go to this world off the fringe paths and you're finding out that you're just having technologies that on your world never existed such as the flowing current through the air and transmitters picking up electricity and powering broadcast things. power broadcast power yes thank you you could have yes. that um right Oh, don't forget that the Hugh Jackman movie where that had Tesla in it. Uh, what was that one called? Uh, you're talking about The Prestige? Yes, yep. The Prestige. That is definitely steampunk. Yeah, David Bowie is um, <laughs> David Bowie is Tesla. Yeah, I found out well after the fact that he was the one who did Tesla. And I was like, oh, okay, I haven't seen it yet, but I was, I was amazed that that was him. 
Yeah, so, um, yeah. Oh, let's see. Technology, setting, culture. I mean, I mean in, in the Victorian Prime uh, Congo, there is the uh, Makole Mbembe. And you're going, with the mother, what, what, what? The, yeah, the, so Mok- night, what? Yeah. the Makole Mbembe are the pygmy uh, dinosaurs that live down there in County Greystone. They're, they're protected. Now, they stand eight foot at the shoulder, and they're 20 feet long, but they're pygmies compared to their, to, to their, um, um, their, pro, their, their progenitors. But yeah, they have, have pygmy dinosaurs in, in the Congo. And, so, that's, and, that, and that's funny. That's one of these things where you go, Yo, yeah, oh man, these are big dinosaurs in here, and you just look and go, yeah, and they were the runts of the lair, and you just see the people go, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and and then no, and the other thing you can toss in there too uh, is you know if it's properly Victorian, Venus is a swamp, and Mars has canals. Well, oh God, the whole thing about John Carter was considered. You know, mm-hmm. during that era, I mean, technically that could be, you could throw that right. in. And of course, there's Mars from Adam and Entertainment, both D20 and Savage World that you can throw in there. And, and we mentioned before, Space ATA-9. Yes. Uh, um, GW, I think, does that. Oh, Amos. not anymore. Heliograph does it now. Okay, well, I, I'm remembering the old one. Eric the Enabler was a big fan of Space 1889 back in the day. Yeah. Oh, let's see. What other games? Um well, OGL Steampunk, John and I mentioned, and we have our views on that one. Um, I believe that's Mongoose Publishing. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, then there's Etherscope, which is Steampunk net running. Oh, God, I think that's uh, Goodman Games. Yeah, Etherscope. Yeah. Um, Ether, inter- Etherscope, how you want to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, interesting thing, the Lemurians, basically their version of hell, some, Amer- some scientist finds and decides to transform the culture via that meanwhile the lemurians are like yeah you have fun with that we have yeah we're going to be over here while you mess with that and <laughs> yeah because they they end up yeah it's net running through the ether basically yeah the, the, you create these F, these uh, ether creatures or ether devices that you then operate and it's the only game system i know of you have to create two characters your real world character and your ether character so and they're never quite certain how what ha- if, if anything bad happens to you in the ether does it kill you in the real world, I think it does, <laughs> or does something bad to you in the real world. Um, I'm trying to think of any other steampunk systems out there. Um, uh, man, give me a bit. I'm calm. Oh, 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 there's there's the ghost lines. It's the apocalypse world's apocalypse world hack uh, that is sort of steampunkish Ghostbusters on trains. Uh, yeah, take it. You know, it's inter- It's a strange setting, but you know, there it is. Um, oh, actually, uh, what was that one? There was is one of the twenty four hour game uh, uh, game chef games. Um, oh, I have it. I can't remember its name. The one with the one with the air with the spate with the airships. Uh, oh, and, um, there's another one. Ladybird. Um, Ladybird. Lady is that the, the, is that the one I'm thinking of? Talking about Lady Blackbird. Lady Blackbird, yeah, that also falls into the steampunk uh, genre as well. Oh, as let's see. Start, yeah, as there's you can that, see. It, oh, okay. Go ahead, John. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you finish up. Finish what you're uh, saying. There's also um, Imperial Age by Adamant Entertainment, and also Gaslight OGL by Battlefield Press. Those are other steampunk games. Um, let's see if there's anything else. Five Queen and Country. 
and Country. Uh, that's another. That was a game inspired by uh, uh, a, a Space Age '89, and it's basically its, its own setting. I forgot who it's by. It's by uh, see. Let me click here. Yeah, I'm looking at the web right now. Actually, it's produced. It's produced by uh, uh, Terry Sophia. Sophian. It's just, I think he's got Kickstarter out for it, but it's another system out there. Um, it's uh, there's, a, uh, let's see, I found another one here. Um, Iron Gauntlet Steampunk Musha, where you have steampunk and also elements of Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Which is, that'd be another way you could go steampunk, and that's the Iron Gauntlet system. I'm not sure who oh, it out. That- that just reminds me of that short. It was a little jet. It was a little short. It was made in Japan, where they had where they had the steam mecha fighting each other across across Tokyo. The American the American mecha versus the Japanese mecha. <laughs> wow, that's been a while since I've seen that sucker. Oh gosh, let's see. Let me find anything else here. Uh, hey, let's do a quick steampunk. RPG Victorian games. Web is probably one of your better sources on on the internet. Yeah, Victorian if you Web. Craft your if you want to craft your setting. Yeah, but a, a good steampunk adventure, or at least a good Victorian period oh. setting. You have, you know, your plot has layers. There's not just one thing going on. There's like three or four simultaneous major plots happening, where. Your major NPCs are, are in conflict with each other while at the same time running towards the same goal. Yeah. And then there's the attitude, and to borrow the phrase from the British, the upstairs and downstairs. Downstairs is the high class, and upstairs living in, in the attic is the servants. And they have their own plots where they're, you know, they're competing for position. Yep. So uh, let's see. Um, other good source books for steampunk. Fantasy Flight Games did Sorcery in Steam if you want to add Steampunk to a fantasy campaign. There is also EN Publishing's Steam and Steel and Mech... Well, Mechamancy is more Renaissance era. No, okay, Steam and Steel would be if you wanted to do more... And it's not just adding Steampunk to fantasy. I mean, Sorcery and Steam from FFG and Steam and Steel from EN Publishing, they both get into the nuts and bolts of what Steampunk is how steam tech changed society warfare medicine exploration um culture so those are two very good sources and i use them in in my maze world campaign because we have a guy he's a modern day weapons designer and he's now limited to victorian era technology so he's had i've had to peruse both of them at great length to give him ways to okay, this is how your character is going to have to work with these conditions and this equipment. Even though you you were a modern day twenty first century weapons designer working for the army, yeah. um, oh, don't see. forget though, there's also Abney Parks Airship and Pirates. Oh yes, I have that. I got it. Yeah, I happen to. Airship I have a copy. Pirates, yeah. Yes, yeah. Airship Pirates. It's by Cubicle Seven Entertainment. I have my copy autographed by Captain Robert himself, who. Last year, I, him and the band, we saw MIB3. Uh, yeah, that's a very good one about steampunk. Um, well, some time travel thrown in. But, yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. And there was another one by uh, Cubicle 7. Victoriana. 
And it's oh, pretty yes. much those, those use the same system. Therefore, you could have the Victoriana characters meeting up with the airship pirates at Abney Park. So thank uh, you. Oh, God, I can't believe I forgot that one. It's over in my bookcase over there. So that's thing called Pure Steam. I'm trying to figure that one out. Oh, okay, I, I know, I know why, because it's still in Kickstarter mode. Oh well, we we'll just give a we we'll just give a plug. Pure steam. <laughs> oh, let's see what else. All right, well, let me tell you about a, um, a, a basically a, a steampunk campaign I ran in Bureau Thirteen for my players some time ago. Uh, Ooh, okay. I uh, it, it was all started with them finding this clock, which was all very clockwork-ish, and they knew that it was some kind of a time travel device. And they tried to set the clock properly, but of course they failed. And they found themselves back in the uh, late 1800s uh, in the west of America, around uh, Carson City, where the uh, Bureau had its secondary office. And they introduced themselves to the Bureau, and they ran into all the cool stuff that you can find in uh, Bureau 13 uh, Black Powder. And they set off to try to you know, uh, do some good for the Bureau because they were kind of trapped back there. And they were also trying to find, you know, track down uh, information on where, you know, they could get their hands on this clock again because having gone back in time, they knew that it had been found and had been in a, in a museum. So they were saying, well, let's go and find the guy who's bringing it into the museum and get our hands on it again and maybe we can send ourselves back to the future. Uh, but in the meantime, they were going on missions for the Bureau back in those days. And one of the ones that one of they ran into was a bunch of gypsies who'd come over from uh, the uh, Carpathian Mountain areas and things like that with a lot of gold and silver. And they were, they'd come in from San Francisco and moved out into the area, which would be better known today as um, uh, Yellowstone. And they were, uh, they had their own religion. It was called the, the Circle of the Sun. And they were bringing this whole religion they were all about, and they were going to make a lot of changes. And what it turned out was that these people were a revolutionary group. They were planning on creating a new nation for themselves carved out of the West. Okay. And they were going to do it using the super science that their leader had developed. And he was essentially uh, – had created – the same technologies the Tesla had. He had a means of, of transmitting power uh, over distances to the ground. So they had all these electrically powered uh, uh, egg kind of shaped devices on, on wheels, but they were all powered by a, a big strong uh, propeller. And, and which would just turn because of the power that was getting to it. And, of course, they would just chew through anything in their way, men, trees, fortifications. And he was building this army to go and, and use it as a force to go up against them. And he was trying to get the Indians in the area to come under his rule. And so you had all, you know, and, and but the power that it was being generated by was these huge steam-powered electromagnetic generators powered by geothermal heat from the area. So you had this huge caverns uh, uh, in the foothills of the mountains with all this steam and this huge electrical crackling going on. And of course, if you know anything about what was going on with him, he, how he was, 
he would turn his generators on and literally electricity and balls of fire would start leaping from every point and tree branch and everything else. So when this thing got turned on, you know, the, the, the woods became this incredibly dangerous Autre place with you know with these gigantic machines flying on the ground, spinning through, chopping down everything in their path, and the and the players having to try to stop them, try to stop him from 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 basically uh, creating a revolution and um, forming a new nation in the middle of the nation that they knew of in the future. So that you know, so I had a lot of steampunk elements in there, uh, including the strange religions, uh, the the secret cults, the uh, steam power, the electromechanical, uh, you know, the, the the gigantic machines and technologies that were going to change, you know, the way war was fought. All that was in, was in that campaign, and I really felt at the time that I created a very strong steampunk type uh, adventure arc. Oh, yeah. So then. Weird science abounded. Right. Well, I mean, it was, but it was all from this, it, it was all extrapolations from the weird science of the day in which we're talking about, the time period which we're talking about. So it, it just, this guy happened to have developed it first and better and thought it through and, and, uh, it, it was it was pretty hard for them to uh, uh, you know to, to stop him. They they literally had to uh, pretty much blow up a big chunk of the of the, of the Rockies <laughs> to, uh, to 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 collapse his his fortress, you know, and 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 deactivate all of his mechanical eggs. You know, people later on found them. Are like, what strange device is this? All this copper wiring and around. You know the, these eggs and propellers is you know some some strange mechanical toy for for useless rich children. I don't know who what was going on here, and, and it was easily easy for the bureau to come in and collect it all and and make it disappear, because nobody looking at it could conceive that these could actually be weapons of war. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, anybody else have any other ideas for cool steampunk type adventures, specifically adventures, uh, in in um, in Bureau Thirteen or Fringeworthy? Hmm. Well, yeah. Usually, Bureau Thirteen, it would end. Up, yeah, time travel would be the best thing to describe. Uh, Fringeworthy. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just got all sorts of worlds that that enter out on the that time yeah. period of. You know, 1880 to 1910, time-regressed world. It could be anywhere on the planet. Um, as I oh. said, steampunk is multicultural. You don't have to re uh, restrict it to Britain or the Wild West, which... Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I, I disagree with you, Trav, because uh, there's lots of places on the Bureau 13 world where you can pull that off, okay? Um, just think about the world of Ember, you know, a whole society under, under the ground in caves, Okay, lots of steampunk type environment there. Possibly in a subterranean race of supernatural creatures that have never been seen before. Uh, the uh, alien okay. incursions, where you know, just like Innsmouth, they they're holed up somewhere and they have their strain. They have the remains of their super science ships that they put to 
all kinds of uh, of uses because you know but they've fallen into disuse because their technology can't be maintained and so now they they have these things but you know, they have these lurching robots that can move but only for a short period of time or not with the, the, the ease and they've been patched by modern by what we would call earth materials but are grossly inferior to what was originally on the starship what can you do you got to use what you got right yeah then there's of course you know you infringe with you can find a world where it's basically post peak oil there's no oil and they never developed anything to replace it. So everyone's burning wood or what coal they can get. And everything's steam. You got, you got steam power. Oh, yeah. There's a world on the fringe paths. I don't remember the number, but I do remember seeing the entry for it where it's that post-oil back-to-steam tech society. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just thinking for, for Bureau 13, um, you could, heck, you know, adventure Bureau. The Bureau agents are called out because in the in – the, uh, Someplace in say oh hey uh, hey this this just stay away from the wild west let's go someplace in the Midwest like in Illinois or Ohio re- the reports of some strange machine turns out it's some old clockwork device that was built back in the eighteen in the eighteen eighties that's finally finally woke up, woken itself up uh, after being put to sleep by the bureau and it's now out to you know causing trouble and you know it's. You can you and you shoot it. Well, the bullets bounce off the dang thing because it's got like plates of steel on it. It's, it's going to take you know, cannons to take that yeah, sucker the, down. The early gas-powered cars and devices were so poorly made and and so dangerous that there were many many uh, uh, laws put before Congress and other type of places trying to outlaw those cars. And so if you were, if they were able to successfully do it, that time-shifted world could be a world in which they have nothing but large vehicles, you know, streetcars, trains, and things like that, where roads don't even exist. There's just tracks everywhere, you know, uh, uh, separated by wide fields and, and small roads that would be pulled by steam power tractors and, and 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 things like that where they didn't have real tracks like 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 streetcar tracks and you could have electrical yeah. but you could also have but you know but the electrical ones would uh, if they they might have uh, electric lamps in them or they might you know have their own gas powered um, uh, lighting or, or such any combination of those things because they never were able to make a successful uh, gas-powered reciprocating engine because it was literally outlawed because of all the people that got killed and or hurt as a result of experimentation in the, in the early days of it. Oh, gee, I just realized there's actually a great, great example of a Victorian, a, a Victorian, quasi-Victorian era adventure uh, that you, you put your players on. Um, it's the great race. You know, with Tony the, Curtis, the, the great Le- the great Leslie, and and was it Professor Fate or probably? Was, oh, yeah, so that, yeah. If you look at that movie, it was definitely at turn of the century. Turn of the centuries, which still leaves it in Victorian era. Uh, definitely, you run to places where they still are. You know, it, it, you got all these weird devices and stuff like that. And it's a race. And yes, you have motor cars. Remember, motor cars weren't. The first diesel engine was made back in 1880. Uh, so there were road vehicles. What Henry Ford did was make 
mass-produced road vehicles. Other before then, they were more or less hand-built, one of a kind. They were more or less, John. They were hand-built, one of a kinds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Grammar Nazi. No, okay. (laughs) I'm not a grammar Nazi. I'm just trying to say that everything back then was handmade. I mean, if you were a mechanic. You know, that meant that you were able to take a piece of metal and turn it into something. It didn't mean that you were able to twist this knob or turn that thing. You were expected to have very strong fabrication skills because there was nobody else to do it for you, you know, unless you had a a buddy who did just that, you know. Yeah, there's there's no parts catalog for that that Benz you bought from Germany. You're going to have to keep it right. up yourself. You, you, you would go and, 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 and get a cup. You'd say, okay, I have this part, and I need to make another one exactly like it in three more because, you know, it's going to, because uh, I might as well do it now because it's going to be a lot of trouble to go and try to fix it. And we certainly don't want to do it after it's been worn. It you, you, and, th- you, and, th- and thanks, th- to, and thanks to an episode of, uh, um, I don't know. I'm not, I've got my headphones Echo. on. Am I echoing no. now? Okay. Thanks to an episode of uh, um, Top Gear, uh, one of the things you can find out, all those cars, they didn't have what we consider the standard layout, you know, steering wheel, accelerator, that stuff, until like about 1910. So all these early cars, they're, they're driven, they're start, you start them up differently, you drive them differently. You may have a tiller instead of a wheel. You may have to turn a knob to accelerate. You know, you may have to actually play with dials to get the get the get the get the timing right on your on your on your spark plug. I mean, driving a car back then is a major is a major skill. Yeah, you were part engineer you know, uh, and part driver. Yeah, <laughs> and usually you oh, tried yeah. to do them both at the same time, which is why they crashed a lot because they were distracted. Yeah. Oh yes. Um, but yes, uh, the the uh, the great race was so successful that it spawned uh, television cartoon series, you know, with uh, the you know the, the dastardly dog and uh, and all those types of characters. Uh, I used to. So the, oh, I'm ahead. just saying the wacky racers, the wacky, wacky racers, racers. That's yeah. what it was. The old Hannibal Barry. Yeah. They also had uh, pl- uh, like incredible plane ro- uh, races too, and they all kind of followed the same thing. It was all based upon the success of that movie. Which oh, stop that! Yeah, yeah, stop that pigeon! But stop yeah. that pigeon! Yeah. John, you can always count on me. <laughs> 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 right. Wow, and I thought I was the repository of useless BS <laughs> trivia. All right, well, I, I think yeah. we better stop. Um, this is this isn't a good stopping yeah. spot, but I don't think we have any more material. No, unless you want to toss in from Earth to from Earth to Moon or first no, man to the Moon. No, because I don't. I don't think that no. any of that's steampunk. I don't think that's steampunk, really. That's more sci-fi uh, futuristic. From Earth to Moon was written by Jules Verne and it, and it involved a bunch of ex-Confederates building a rocket, building a big gun to shoot people yeah. on the moon. If that ain't steampunk, it isn't. Oh no, it's not. Just- I don't think it's steampunk at all. Just because we're casting a humongous gun barrel doesn't make it steampunk. I'd say the theory is steampunk. The application is not. Yeah. Well, then, then, of course, the the first man of the moon, H.G. Wells, with Caverite. I mean, you know, if if Space 89 with Liftwood is is steampunk, so is the first man of the moon steampunk. Yeah, uh, you know, with his Keverite, you know, device, the integrated device. Well, I, I don't and all consider that stuff. it to be steampunk. So, anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. See, this is where we yeah, break yeah, up. Yeah, you know. yeah. See, okay. I think this would be a good time for. I think this would be a good time That's for a closer. What I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. I think I All can right, do this. Uh, steampunk, a very vibrant genre of of literature and culture and alternate history that you can bring to a Bureau 13 or Fringeworthy game. There are plenty of sources, both in the role playing game world and elsewhere that you can use to make this game pop. You can play this game and run this game on a myriad of levels. Culture, exploration, politics, um, warfare. You could, you know, have a steampunk, you know, battle or whatnot. As I mentioned earlier, steampunk is defined as a culture of one. Every single person who knows about steampunk is going to have a different viewpoint on it because they throw their own things into the mix to make this quasi-Victorian persona like I have with Professor Hieronymus Michaels. This subculture genre will definitely bring a new vibrancy to the game that you play. Bureau 13 and Fringeworthy are both fantastically suited for this particular genre of role-playing. So, as I said, get the research going. Um, get the, the, the props going. Props would be another good thing to have with these games. And I am sure that, you know, the whole chocolate and peanut butter mix would be just utterly fantastic in this endeavor of running a steampunk role-playing game in Bureau 13 or Fringeworthy. So, please contact us on our Facebook groups, Bureau 13 Agents Everywhere, Fringeworthy RPG fans, fans of the TriTac podcast, uh, the Yahoo groups. Please contact us at our Podbean site, tritacsystems.podbean.com. Please check us out on iTunes, and please, reviews and comments on that site. Oh, and uh, don't forget the forums. Yes, the tritacgamers.com forums. <laughs> Uh, please contact us. Let us know if you run a steampunk game. Please let us know how it turned out and what you did in order to prepare for it. We love to hear from you people on, on this and other subjects that we cover here on the TriTech Games podcast. So, from all of us here, until next time. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Amber. It's all fun and games until the DM rolls a one. This is Paul. When you remove the pin, Mr. Grenade is no longer your friend. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers.
Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.